This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer it's smoldering it's catching it's lighting there it is amon dean welcome to light the beacons a lotro podcast focusing on the spiffy mmorpg lord of the rings online as well as related topics in books movies gaming and the lore of john ronald ruel tolkien this is episode number 29 and i am your host brag of the lonely mountain skirmisher of middle earth and dwarf of ill repute uh, I am coming to you a day late and a dollar short behind on my schedule. Darn work outings. People from the Lonely Mountain always asking me to go out five martini dinners. Broadcasting live from the temporary LTB Middle Earth wide headquarters in the fanged pit of Moria. And yes, I know I've broadcast from the fanged pit before, but I felt a calling back there again. This is perhaps one of the emptiest zones in all of Moria. And uh, just felt lonely. It's beautiful, but it's empty nonetheless. It's closely linked with the instance of Lumul Nar uh, that comes with the Lothlorien three mans. But uh, strangely, unfortunately, this zone is somewhat unnecessary. It's difficult to navigate, maybe unfinished, at least in the early stages of Moria's before the revamp came. The revamp brought some playability, but the epic quest line never really brings you here, and so it's frequently forgotten. Uh, I, who love all things Moria, um, have only emptied this zone of quests on several tunes. Um, there were some that uh, pretty much skipped it entirely. So it's uh, no small wonder, since it's not essential to the storyline, that it is often overlooked. Uh, but I think there are some fun quests in this zone. I like some of the camps on the far edge, uh, some of the Morval Queens you can find in Skorusg, the uh, ponds and waterfalls of Kulturg, the, the prisons of Tithmadul, and of course the giant uh, lighting apparatus at Dararuk, which also has, uh, as I've talked of before, a hidden door up in the ceiling that I think was supposed to be meant to be linked to uh, the instance that occurs there. So I am standing on the very far edge of some kind of uh, moral contraption sticking out over the cavern. Very precipitous. I might die at any moment here if I fall off. Hey, Grima, throw me a rope, will you? Tie this around my waist here. <laughs> Dwarves are notoriously good balance since we're low to the ground, but I don't trust this uh, little bamboo and red linen structure that they've built. It is more of a construction after all. Probably bailing wire, bubble gum, and more of a spit holding it together. Um, if uh, looking out over the cavern, I do believe you can get quite an echo here. Hello, low, low, low. Ha <laughs> ha. Durin's Bane sucks eggs, 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 eggs. Yep, it's a nice echo. Grima wears combat boots, boots, boots. Grima, I'm just kidding. Pick the rope back up. Maybe you can tie it around that little pillar over there. Very good. Um, stop quivering. It's not that close to the edge. This guy is such a jelly. Um, so, return to the fang pit. Encourage you all to do so. At least map the new... Uh, the new stable master that's here makes it easier to travel to. The revamp certainly made it easier to venture out into the fang pit in some form or fashion. And it's a nice uh, alternative leveling plan if you're tired of some of the areas of Moria, but you haven't done this one in a while. It's got the passage off to the uh, far southeast that leads you to Nud Melek. Um, not exactly a shortcut. It's a little more of a long cut. 
but uh, it's a great place to deed for more Vol and Moria, that's for sure. Well, uh, enough of this. We're late as it is. Let's get on to our second beacon. Ilanok. First, it's time to review some crap. I mean, uh, CRAP. Corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. So, uh, last week, looking through my agenda, we probably offended uh, skirmish lieutenants, plug-in enthusiasts, the Bile Draug, my kindred and Dal Amroth, Waffle House frequenters, Dwarf Extenders, and by corollary for that, just about everyone, and of course, Elves. To you all, I assume a collective and very heartfelt, sorry. Uh, what kind of viewer comments did we get last week? We didn't get any viewer comments, okay? There's no viewers. Jesus Christ. I mean, Kaza uh, uh, Doom. Uh, we did get a comment in from I Just Wanna. Um, and yes, that's the name that was given on the comment. And uh, he's referring to some of my discussion of uh, the fact that Lotro plugins had disappeared from my setup at some point in time, need to be reconfigured. He mentions that uh, looking at what stuff your alts have is obviously really handy, especially if you're a crafter. And he uses Titan Bar for that, uh, which also allows you to see your alts, vaults, alts, vaults, and bags. Alt vault viewing, very handy. Uh, huge bag has it too. Um, but uh, uh, might be cross-connected to Titan Bar, but he's always had them both. So when you're deconning relics, is also handy, he mentions, and you can't remember what legacy scrolls you might have stored up in uh, another section of the game. Um, he's always used the Lotro plugin compendium, which I'll talk about a little later in the podcast, which checks for updates and new updated plugins from the Lotro interface repository. And uh, so far, he's not had anything broken. So he does mention that at times you might have to do a total reinstall, which is, in fact, what I needed to do earlier this week. Also heard from Thonin and Windfall, wrote in, said he's been listening to different Load Throw podcasts since 2009 and uh, had some kind words to say about mine in the pantheon of podcasts that are available and asked me to keep them coming. Thonin, thank you so much for writing in. Um, Sometimes it gets lonely here wandering around Moria with only Grima licking my boot heels. And uh, certainly is wonderful to know that uh, some people are enjoying the podcast. Uh, so thanks to both of you for guys for writing in. Uh, that's it for comments this week. No real revilement or reaction to our sponsor spot from last week. Though I did notice a spike in my post feeds recently. Maybe word of mouth was spreading about the <coughs> issue that some of our shorter buddies might be facing and uh, causing my subscriptions to go up. But it's great to see the traffic. So thanks to all of you, viewers, and others that might be listening. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some things I saw on the forums these past couple weeks. Forum Insider this week. Uh, forums contained a lot of speculation recently, last couple weeks, about Update 16, of course. Sounds like Bolroar might open up in the next few weeks with the first build, which means Osgiliath could be right around the corner for us. That is very exciting. If only Boromir could see us now. Of course, he'll never see Osgiliath again, unfortunately. Unless it's by a flashback, like it was in the Two Towers. No, it was the Return of the King, I believe. Um, music system testing also seems to be coming along. Uh, devs have been encouraging bands to log into the server and try 16 and 24, 12 and 24 man raids uh, playing full orchestra. There's not too many groups in the game that do that, so I hope the Starlight Orchestra is listening and doing some testing, providing some feedback. Uh, it sounds like there might be an interim release coming up of the music system before update 16, and that would be really cool. I've heard a lot of uh, you know complaints about what up uh, you know what the new music system changes had broken. Haven't heard a lot of people talking about the good that's coming from it. And uh, as I understand it, mostly it's balanced between the different instrument volumes and dealing with some drop notes for certain types of instruments as well. So it sounds like subtle changes, but hopefully we'll make an impact and. Uh, uh, especially for some of the more complicated arrangements that are out there. Uh, I guess we'll find out at uh, upcoming music events and festivals. Uh, also some discussion of uh, the data center moves that are pending. 
they are disrupting some of the work that was being done on the transfer system enhancements. But uh, as those are starting to occur, um, sounds like they'll be getting back to uh, perhaps dev diaries coming, hopefully around the corner, regarding some of the transfer system enhancements and that those might be pushed just to a little later in the year. So I know people are very nervous about what might be coming and eager to find out the details, but I don't know anyone clamoring for the server transfers to occur now. I think uh, there's some patience for the most part regarding that. Um, so, you know, no news is not bad news, I guess you'd say. Also saw a big thread on a potential Shelob raid. Uh, a lot more people speculating that. Uh, fans, viewers of the show, and listen, I know that um, I've talked enough about viewers for this episode already, uh, will know that I've been uh, lobbying for a Shelob raid for quite some time now. I've been talking for months about it, so get with it, man. Uh, but that's okay. Keep piling on the comments, and Turbine will see that it is inevitable. We will will it to life. Other interesting post I saw also this past week. Um, someone, I think it was from the Lotro Department of Strategery, uh, tweeted that they had been out on Bullroar and put together all the pixels for the new map that's coming, which takes quite a bit of knitting to get all those together into a into a uh, you know a solid representation of what's being added in Eastern Gondor. And uh, that's exciting to see because you can definitely trace out where maybe some of the larger settlements will be, some of the smaller outposts. Looks like there might be some interesting um, camps of the enemies kind of up into the, the foothills of the mountains in certain areas. And, uh, and uh, of course, the most intriguing thing is um, obviously the outer wall of the Pelennor Fields which I, th I am guessing is going to be the demarcation of what is going to be released. Um, I'm guessing they're going to come up with a reason why we can't penetrate those walls to get closer to Minas Tirith, but that should allow us plenty of room to play east of there. And, of course, the last and most interesting detail is that you can very definitely see a defined ro um, road leading out of uh, Osgiliath and east toward the Morgul Vale, and that's uh, set people all a titter. So, um, that was exciting to see this past week as well. Uh, in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks, of course. We're going to discuss what happens when you get a hankering to finally finish off a long, dormant hobby. And lastly, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of my experiences uh, reviving my Lotro plugin setups and various configurations. If there's any time remaining, we will uh, accumulate some cave claw heads, uh, load them into a trebuchet, and fire them into the depths of the fanged pit to listen for the echoes. So, let us move on to our third beacon. We have arrived at Nardal, and it is aflame. So what are the games I've been playing this week? Nope, not a nothing. Lotro only this week. Hashtag go Lotro for show. Um, I have been listening to, uh, I was listening to a podcast today, um, from off of the TGN network, uh, that I had not listened to previously. It was called Agro Chat, uh, quite a festive group of gentlemen that, uh, certainly seem to have played a wide variety of games with a great depth of experience. Um, and I did like the podcast. I would recommend it to you that like to play a lot of different games and maybe hear about some things you haven't heard before. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to listen to it more myself. And here's why. Uh, by the end of the podcast, I'd already kind of jotted down the names of like three or four games that I might have to try based on what these guys were talking about. And I don't have the time for this. <laughs> I can't be tempted with these kinds of options. Uh, but I will say that uh, based on just uh, what they were discussing and a quick review of some online reviews that I did over the course of uh, lunch break I had today... I did run home and download um, from my Steam account the title for um, Ori and the Lost Forest, I think it's called. It uh, was released on Xbox this past year by Microsoft, as well as Microsoft PC. just came to Steam, I think, in the last couple months. And from everything I've read, this game sounds fantastic. And uh, maybe the part that sold me 
it only takes about eight or nine hours to play the full game. <laughs> I was like, hey, I, I could find that time. I can't, I can't start another MMO, but I, I could spare maybe eight or nine hours, uh, especially given the reviews. Uh, it sounds like it is gorgeous with wonderful music and emotional punch and a lot of very challenging gameplay. So I am looking forward to trying that this coming week, and if I do, I will provide some more feedback to you next week uh, on the podcast. What else have I been doing? I did uh, listen to a Twitch stream while I was driving around and went over my phone. Never done that one before. Uh, so I saw part of one of the lunch runs um, that Erethert, Erethert was uh, was uh, engaged in. I think it was Gil Rain was the server this past week, and uh, where he talked quite a bit about uh, Kermit the Frog Demon Alien. Uh, don't ask if you've listened to Aerithart, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then uh, you're missing quite an experience. Uh, what else have I been doing? Well, from a Lotro perspective, uh, Bragg uh, was able, obviously, as some of you heard from the title that uh, I had in my introduction, to finish off the Skirmisher of Middle-Earth Deed. So... I had five lieutenant uh, encounters left. I think when last I left you, one in the twenty-first hall. Um, that I, uh, when I researched online, I found out uh, came on one of the very first pulls on the eastern side of the hallway. When uh, there's an arrow collection deed where you have to pick up all the arrows on the ground and then uh, the encounter spawns. So the nice part about that is knowing that it's on the first part, the first pull, or the first. Uh, uh, the first uh, wave of the um, of the skirmish allows you to basically quit the skirmish if it doesn't come up in the first couple waves of enemies and restart it until you get it. And once I did that, uh, I think it took maybe three tries before uh, my last gentleman came up and I was able to polish him off. So that was exciting. Um, there was one encounter left in Gondaman. Uh, I probably figured out why I haven't gotten him before. He's kind of a tough pull. So I was running it on tier three, and he comes out on the northern side of Gondamin, kind of west of the entrance off of a um, kind of a, uh, you know, a war machine that's assaulting the, the upper part of the peninsula. And you, you really have to go out on a limb to aggro him and bringing him back. And while I was doing that, uh, I think uh, the central dwarf was being attacked up on the platform, and I had to race back and uh, aggro everything that was in the area and the encounter and whatever skirmish lieutenants were and actually had a few frantic moments in the fight while I was doing that but uh, was able to f complete that encounter and the and the skirmish without losing my dwarven my dwarven uh, friend there so that was exciting I had two left in the way of Smith's Fireheart which was uh, one of the fire grims that appears I think uh, on the eastern side uh, if you work the bellows and he shows up and then Durbernail, which is a spider that appears under the supervisor's platform. Probably had to run that one maybe, I don't know, four or five times until I got both of those. And then lastly, on a fateful evening uh, in Thanglehad, I had uh, the Drake Runothorval, I'll call him Runothorval, Runothorval, who circled the tower and finally descended to the point where I could bring him into the engagement. And mid-skirmish, I finished him off. I actually was debating whether to even finish the skirmish, but I went ahead and did so and uh, collected my skirmisher of Middle-earth title, which is like 30 marks, big deal, and, uh, of course, the title, which is nice. And the most important thing, the emote, bring it on. So I spent a couple minutes rolling, running around Dol Amroth. I think it was late at night. You can only find, like, two or three people that were even online, but uh, just inviting them all to uh, bring it on, of course. Uh, just so I could uh, have fun with the emote. So, another grand deed finished for Bragg, and that one was quite a grind, but uh, glad to have it done, at least on one tune, and uh, to have an emote that's a little rarer in-game. Uh, Bragg also started working on some of his deeds in Evendim, which is where we left him and cleaning his deed log. Uh, finished off a bunch of Kurgrim there, using... Some of the new uh, Anuminas um, kind of underground ruins that are available that are filled with Kurgrim. Found one that had nine that spawned at once, uh, about every pretty quick, pretty quick spawn rate, about every two or three minutes. So I was able to clear ten at a time, or close to ten at a time, and uh, while I was uh, watching something on Netflix, and eventually finished that one off. 
I spent some time fishing for compliments, which I'll discuss at my next beacon. And uh, also uh, grind, using Bragg to grind some rep items in the Ringlow Vale in the, um, in the mountain cave Tumat, which, uh, you know, Bragg is uh, best equipped to sc scoop up, you know, groups of 15 to 20 knobs at once and uh, uh, try to earn some of those rep item drops that you need, uh, that I need for my lore master right now. One of the interesting things I found when I was doing that is, um, as you know from from doing the Epic King Ring Lovale, if you're in Tumat, is at one point you have to run to the very back of the cave where there's a doorway, uh, which you can open by killing the four evil pillars around, which kind of takes you into a back area, which I'd only entered before as part of the instance that you do in that, uh, in that zone when you're repelling the dead. Uh, but I was back there, and I looked through, and I noticed that the roving threat Gundash had appeared behind the door in Tumat, and was kind of walking around back in that area, uh, which I didn't know you could get into outside the instance. So I went in and kind of engaged him and um, tried to solo him for a little bit, which was challenging. Uh, but uh, I didn't know that was one of the spawn points where you could find Gundash. I've also seen him in the camp nearby, which I think is called Grishnu or something like that, and also um, in the forest south of Ringlow Vale as well. So at least three points where you can find Gundash. Um, I would not have been able to, I was having trouble soloing him, he hits pretty hard even for a guard when I was in redline mode, but one of the things that was successful was um, I when I pulled him into the cave, I know this is a little counterintuitive, but with groups of uh, adds, uh, you know, I was pulling in four or five groups of adds at a time and using the redline guard to, um, to put bleeds out on those mobs that I could use to heal myself. So I was actually more successful the more I pulled him into the cave and engaged under ads. And uh, I think if I'd tried that from the beginning, um, I probably, I think, would be able to solo Gundash, at least in that kind of environment. I believe it's possible. So we'll see. I might try that again sometime. Uh, of course, it's always nice to just ask a couple other people to join in. It makes it a little quicker. Lastly, I did 12-man uh, Helm's Dyke on Bragg, uh, which I don't do too often, but... Um, some folks from my new kin uh, were trying to run it weekly, and it happened to be on, so I, I joined in. Uh, yes, you did hear me say new kin, which is kind of a milestone for me after many years. I did depart my old kin, which I think I talked about in a previous episode, and found one that uh, appears to be uh, fun and active. So a little shout-out to the Heart of Fire on Vilya, if any, uh, if any folks are listening. Uh, been excited about uh, you know a little reinvigorated seeing more folks on and getting to know some of the folks there in the new kin. Uh, so we did okay on the Helmsdike run. Uh, got a platinum on everything besides one of the culvert attacks um, that you get on wave number two. We had uh, a few too many sappers that got through the culvert entrance uh, past our barricades and um, you know maybe destroyed at least one thing of supplies. Uh, so got a gold out of that. Uh, so. Not, not too much exciting loot uh, from that except for Stars of Merit, and I have enough that I can scoop up a gold piece of jewelry on one of my other tunes, and I have not done so yet, still considering uh, who it might benefit most. Uh, my Bjorning is now level 63, I believe. I did go through the exercise of upgrading both my legendary weapon and my Bjorning carving to first age 60s, based on coins I had from other tunes. And uh, if history is any proof, I'll probably not bother upgrading those until at least until I'm probably uh, level 75 or so, in which case it, it might become painful to continue to grind with uh, weapons that low. Uh, but right now they're spiffy and certainly helping out speeding things along. Uh, I, I seem to notice that the legacies available on the Bjorning le legendary items are a bit limited. Uh, you know, what I've noticed is that I think the, the number of skills available to the Bjornings is maybe a few less than most of the other classes. Um, you know, not quite as well fleshed out. Feels like they could each use maybe one or two more skills in their rotation or utility skills that could be impacted by legendary items. So there's not a lot of legacy options in the Bjorning that are exciting to me. I uh, can't see too much deviation, which is too bad. It's, uh, it's fun to have different builds that you can play with. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I level him, I'm sure he'll gain a few more things, but probably not too many. We're probably close to most of the skills that he'll, he'll have, and obviously they'll continue to develop as I invest some class trade points. 
Uh, did run a Hall of Crafting run on my Bjorning, since he's a good level for that. Uh, we formanned it with my Bjorning in blue line support mode. Uh, we had a level 100 Warden. It took most of the suspense out of it. Uh, but the rest of the tunes were closer to my level. And uh, we had lots of we had someone who had never been in there before, so we were kind of showing him the ropes. Uh, so he understood the, at least the right way to do it if he was on level. Uh, there were lot, lots of good deeds, obviously, in there. And wonder of wonders, what dropped in the Hall of Crafting? What is the most sought-after item in all the Hall of Crafting? A miniature brass anvil, which I won on my Bjorning. I could not believe it. All right, screw the XP enhancer that I can wear in my pocket. Forget it. I am going to wear this for a while out of homage. And the reason I'm so excited is that... In the day, Halls of Crafting was one of my favorite instances, and on my guard, I probably ran it, uh, I lost count, let's call it 30, maybe 40 times looking for the Brass Anvil, and I think I've recounted the story before that I've only ever saw it drop once, ever, in all those runs, and it got scooped up by a lore master who had no idea what he was doing. Uh, still burns me to this day. So, my very first run on my Bjorning, a miniature brass anvil drops, and that is a very nice pocket item, especially for a might-based class at this level. So, I expect to get some use out of it, and uh, even after I'm not wearing it anymore, I'll probably keep it in my inventory just uh, out of pure nostalgia. So, that was pretty exciting. Uh, Bjorning's also running a few of the Hengstacer farm quests to earn my mounted combat healing skill, just in prep for when he'll eventually be heading to Rohan. I don't I, I don't need it for a while, but it's nice to get it out of the way when you have a chance. Sometimes you don't. Uh, those are easy to do while you're doing something else, potentially. See if they come up day by day. Uh, my level 100 minstrel has been idle, as well as my copy. Uh, my lore master has been pretty busy of late. My LM is my fourth 100-level tune, working his way through Eastern Gondor, Central Gondor, uh, at this point. And, uh, yeah. Um, he finished off the final quest chain in Labinan, uh, helping Jajax through the Herodrim camps there. And he's been grinding the Dol Amroth daily tokens for the library, which enabled me to get a set of gloves. And uh, now he needs the Great Hall. Uh, has one more daily quest to go to get uh, all the quests in the Great Hall so that I can pick up a pair of pants. Right now I'm playing, um, I'm pulling a Leonore. Uh, but I do have the four other pieces which I had already earned from Essence Gear. And I'm picking up two pieces of gear off of the Dull Amaranth daily quest runs so that I can get my uh, plus 3% water lore buff, which will be, you know, like I said last week, not a lot, but given how much you use the skill, certainly adds up over time. And I have a funny story to tell about this. So, you know, I've given, I think I've done whole episodes on the daily, <laughs> the Dull Amroth daily grinds and uh, what you have to do to earn the stuff there. And, um, you know, other people have covered it as well. So here I am doing daily library runs every day looking for these last two quests to drop. Can't find the last two quests run it again and again they're not dropping they're not dropping i'm like uh you know a week goes by i'm like okay this is part of the reason rng sucks i'm getting really tired of this and then finally i looked at where the quests were kind of at the bottom of the quest log and the light bulb went off and i went holy kazadoom i can't believe it um those are two of the quests that drop from the um uh, not in the daily training run, but from the library quest giver that stands over right next to the library that you can pick up anytime and do on a daily basis. So uh, feeling like an idiot, I ran over and grabbed those two quests up really quick and finished those off. I think uh, they're in the region Tolfenis, the island, I think. As I, oh, no, it was uh, two of the ones down in the Herodrome camps on the beach just south of Dal Amroth. So I uh, got those done. Uh, so just a reminder, if you're trying to finish off all the quests for a deed for Dal Amroth so you can pick up an armor piece, uh, the quests on the top are the ones you get from the training exercise, and the quests on the bottom are the ones you get from the daily quest givers that surround the fountain. Just a reminder. Uh, what else? I did a Glittering Caves run on my Lore Master because I noticed that I had no medals at all earned from that uh, epic battle run. And finishing off uh, Glittering Caves, which I, you know, I meddled each side quest and the main one 
and I had no medals going into that before from a solo basis, netted me like, I don't know, got me to like 43 points uh, all the way to rank two uh, in my engineering line for epic battles for my LM. And, uh, you know, how did I ever run it as part of the epic and do a solo run and get no medals <laughs> and still get past it? I don't know. That's a mystery. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that happened. Uh, but I uh, was able to get medals in all the side quests this time, obviously, which advanced me some points, which is nice. And the thing I noticed, which I, I'll say, is that you know, if I go through building up epic battles in another class, it might be on my LM, and here's why. Uh, even at a lower rank, he's handy in big battles. With all their slows and mezzes and stuns, uh, they really help out on a lot of the side quests. Even if you don't have high rank, to build up your trip wires and your caltrips and your bear traps and to be able to move barricades. You know, m you know, my guard, if I couldn't move a barricade and set it up in some areas, I, I was sunk on some of these side quests. But with my LM, I can drop tar, I can mez guys, I can earthquake them, you know, I can stor storm lure them, and that gives you the extra you need to be able to get by some of those side quests, even without a high ranking um, in your epic battle points. So that is handy. Uh, I also finally, finally took the extra symbol that I had recently and made myself a first age 100 level staff for my lore master. And it turned out rather nicely. I even spent money in the Lotro store, which I don't normally do for this, uh, to grab a crystal of remembrance because there was one skill, one legacy I had to have on my LM staff that I didn't get uh, through any of my... Um, through any of my uh, my reforges that I really wanted, and uh, I didn't see another skill that I wanted to replace, uh, and I figured if I'm going to have this staff for a long time, now that it's level 100, and hopefully I'm going to be able to imbue it at some point, um, that I needed my staff strike cooldown legacy, so I bought a crystal of remembrance in the store, which I hate to do because they're expensive, but at least now I have it. So here's the snafu on my first stage staff. You're reforging it, you're checking it out, you're trying to get all the points, you're trying to rank up the legacies the way you want, get everything set just so. And I suddenly realized that uh, as I went through the last reforge, I thought I had one more to go, and I didn't. And I forgot to rename my staff. <laughs> so those of you who do the LI game, and I know not everyone does, uh, you need to rename your staff through one of your reforges or you're stuck with whatever it's called right out of the box, So, which is hugely lame. <laughs> so I have a first stage 100 staff, which theoretically it could keep forever, which is named whatever it is, first stage staff of the Lord Master. <laughs> I am so mad. All right, so now I need to figure out... Uh, so they need to put something in the store that allows you to rename uh, an legendary item that's at uh, full level because this sucks. <laughs> it's so unclever and ridiculous. Uh, I, don't know, I wonder if any of you viewers out there have ever done that before. All right. Um, what else have we been doing? Well, my Berg is the only other tune that's gotten some tension. I, I definitely got uh, the Berg bug the last couple weeks here. Um, I've got him up to level... 85 now. I did a burgathon where I made it to Hypold, cleared the initial quests with just one or two Snowborn dailies. <laughs> so if you run two daily quests in Snowborn and go over, you can clear all the opening quests from the initial Hypold quest giver. Tokens are no longer the barrier now that they only cost like one each to build all this stuff up, which is great. But you know what? Now there's another barrier. If you want to open up the additional the additional things that you can improve, you have to build your rep levels all over Eastern Rohan. Uh, and eventually you'd have to get kindred in all the different factions in order to be able to finish Hypebold. So that is now the the grind. Uh, the, the grind of earning Hypebold tokens has been replaced with the grind of earning kindred in all the Eastern Rohan factions when you don't really need them in order to move on to endgame. So I don't think I'm going to be doing that. Um, which is too bad. It'd be good to see that final instance in Hypebold one more time. I don't know. I'll think about it someday. Uh, so my burglar did cross over the end wave and did the epic instances in Edoras and Mediseld. Um, and what I quickly figured is out, it was it was time to upgrade my weapons. There's nothing really dangerous when you're questing around Edoras. Uh, but uh, as I started doing quests in the Wold, either horseback or on foot, 
Um, I looked at my weapons, and they were woefully inadequate. As a matter of fact, I, I was uh, checking out the cosmetic for my sword and realized that it was a filical turtle sword, <laughs> which looked really cool. Another argument for um, LI cosmetics for weapons, but um, it also reveals that it's a level eight, you know, level first age level sixty sword, and I'm a level eighty five tune. So you can imagine, you know, my DPS might not have been fully up to snuff on this tune. This is what happens when you have too many alts. Uh, so I got him up to uh, second age eighty five weapon now, which is exciting, and replaced his toolkit as well. And it certainly has made a difference in questing. Um, the quest year I'm getting just from the epic quests and questing around, you know, Entwade and so forth, is a good upgrade for me at this stage for my burglar. Uh, you know, when he started out, I think he owned only 5k morale. And, you know, my, my guard at endgame has, you know, 25k plus or whatever it is. So having only 5k felt very naked, especially as a squishier class. Um, so just, you know, upgrading to all the... The quest available pieces around um, around Western Rohan already has me up, you know, significantly. Maybe jump maybe 20% with just a few pieces of armor up to you know 7,500 morale. Uh, so feeling a little more comfortable. And uh, so I'll be knocking around Kingstead. Um, I did uh, all the quests in Edoras and Entwade and the Underharrow, and now I'm in Altberg with a new bridle and new weapons. And that is what I've been doing in Lotro for this week. So, as I look around the fanged pit, you guys may hear there's there's a this is an this is a wind chamber. This place is a wind sock, constantly blowing through here, causing uh, rocks to fall down from the tr from the the heights. You can hear it rumbling. All right, now they said there's no wind, but geez, it almost blew me off my perch here a minute ago. Grime is holding his long stringy, ugh, greasy hair down so his toupee doesn't blow away he's got like a comb over i think Ugh. um but uh one thing i noticed in the fang pit is there's some music in this zone of the game that you can't hear anywhere else in moria so another reason to come check it out all right let's move on to our next beacon we arrived at Aralas, and it's a flame so um Working my way through my deed log, as I mentioned this past week, this is another hint that tells me that I'm ready for a new content update when I start going back and filling in deed log. Um, and I noticed, uh, excuse me, Dwarven Belch, I noticed two annoying little deeds on my hobbies tab. The first is the Fortunate Festival Fishes where I have 9 out of 40 fish caught for the summer festival. Oh boy, this is annoying. I, I could possibly finish this at some point. Uh, I don't mind fishing typically, and summer it's a good time to get tokens. And, uh, and if I've got one deed sitting in my log for hobbies and it's related to fishing, I could see chipping away at this one over time. So we'll see if I make a run at this one for the summer festival. But the point I wanted to make about this is don't you hate it when you completely clean a deed log page and then a festival or a region revamp comes along and fills it up with crap again, it's like, hey, I just cleaned up over here like five minutes ago. Can't we even keep it like neat for like a day? Well, I guess we can't have nice things in Eriador. So the other deed that was open was uh, the Darter Master, seven of nine. And it's been sitting at 7 of 9 for at least several years since I completed the Lord of the Streams title, mostly by fishing around the Fisher King Pond in Enidwaith, where you can build up a nice little tidy sum of cash by raiding the two spawn treasure chests that are there as you, uh, as you build up your daily fishing skills and hone them. Uh, so, 7 of 9 darters. And it's not like I haven't been fishing since I've done with my Lord of the Streams titles. As a matter of fact... They've built fishing into a, a large number of daily quests in the game since then, and certainly have messed around fishing, you know, waiting for raids to start or idling my way around in certain areas, uh, just killing time. So I have done some fishing. I think what I figured at the point, this point was I remember looking for the last two darters, couldn't get them, couldn't get them. I was like, well, they'll come up. You know, I'll be fishing sometime, and they'll just arrive, and I'll be able to complete this deed. I don't have to focus on it now. I can finish this one whenever. And uh, 
of course, it never happened since then. One of the things you'll notice is that when you're doing a fishing daily quest, uh, typically they turn off some of the other types of fish that you can catch in that pond. And one thing you'll notice if you have a Lord of Streams title and you've fished your way around Middle Earth is that there's more to the fishing hobby than you would think. Certain bodies of water certainly have uh, focus on certain types of fish. And there are some fish that you can get in almost any body of water, and there are some that only you can get in certain bodies of water. So I was explaining fishing to a kinmate who had never done it before. And incidentally, this is one point that I think a lot of people struggle with. Uh, he's, he's like saying, so how do I fish? And well, you equip your rod, yeah. Well, then you click on your fishing skill. He goes, where's that? So a lot of people forget, and incidentally, it's, it's a little counterintuitive, that the fishing skill is not on your skills tab. It's on the hobby tab. So you have to open up the hobby tab off your character panel and drag that over to one of your quick slots in order to make that work. So I was explaining fishing to a kinmate. And I decided to the time had come to put this deed to rest since it had not come organically. So I looked through the foreign posts, and one of the things I noticed is that there's an interesting history um, behind fishing. And I, I'd read this before. Uh, at one point, it seemed like each darter or sturgeon you needed to complete your darter master or sturgeon master deed might have been caught in a different body of water around Middle Earth. But at some point, there was a revamp and they could all be gotten from the same source or a small group of sources. So darters from the comments online seem to be most frequently fished in Forakel, so I, which might explain why I haven't caught one in quite some time because I don't often go fishing in Forakel. So I headed up to Surrey Kayla, uh, knocked over a lost soft skater on his butt, and got down to business. Sometime later, well, how much later? Let me see. I looked at my inventory when I was done, and I had, maybe this might deserve a song, 16 green spine sticklebacks, 15 pieces of driftwood, 14 golden mullets, 11 nine spickled sticklebacks, 7 pike, 6 carp, 4 flounders, 4 long fin darters, 4 largemouth bass, 3 band fin darters, 3 green fin darters, 3 rusty swords, 3 black fin darters, 3 blood fin darters, 1 red fin darter, 1 splendid darter, 1 goldfish, a set of weeds, and finally... The fire belly darter, which is the absolute last one I needed. So, a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> so, as you can see, I had to do quite a lot of fishing, even though I knew I was in the right place because I was pulling up darters to get the last one that I needed. The fire belly. And boy, was I happy when I landed him. Oh, also, that's not counting the fish that appear in your barter wallet now because they're taxidermies. So, I took a quick look in there. And I've had one 10-pound salmon, seven 15-pound salmons, two 2-pound salmons, three 20-pound salmons, four 4-pound salmons, one 50-pound salmon, which is the big trophy, by the way, five 6-pound salmons, three courageous carp, one delightful day, seven fantastic flounders, five great golden mullets, three nasty 9-spine sticklebacks, four perfect pike, three tricky 3-spine sticklebacks, and two arms of lagmus. I'm not sure those were from fishing, but hmm. Okay, so you get the idea. <laughs> And by the way, did you ever notice when you're fishing and you pull up a fish and you can see it wriggling on the end of the on the end of the line and you grab it with your hand and you can see the fish in your hand and you stuff it in your fishing bag and it says, "You have found a rusty sword." <laughs> it's like, "No, I didn't. It was a fish. I saw it on the line. It's clearly a fish. It's not a rusty sword. I know a fish when I see one. Those are weeds. <laughs> They're not weeds. It's a it's a mossy skull." No, it's a fish. I saw it's a fish. So I guess they didn't want to branch out the animation. But, you know, someone's pulling a fast one here. Maybe it's a magic bag. I don't know. In any case, the Darter Master Trophy now hangs proudly on the wall of my home uh, next to the Sturgeon Master Trophy and at the expense of the Stinger of Brumbereth, which probably has seen its, has seen its last posting in my household. I'd rather have a bunch of fish than a big, giant, disgusting-looking insect uh, mandible. And that is the story of how Dart, Dart Master and uh, Bragg finished his fishing deeds, at least until the summer festival. Let's move on to Minrimon. Minrimon. Now a word from our sponsors. At Thornley's construction site. 
Rob Thornley Productions is proud to announce a brand new project. Work has officially begun on an exclusive contract for the new Osgiliath PVMP map. A month ago, we had a ribbon cutting ceremony. We lost a few days, though, waiting for the ribbon delivery from Needlehole. And then, wouldn't you know it, we couldn't find a pair of scissors anywhere. But we put the first ceremonial first shovel in the ground. There, you can see it over there. Hit a stump, wouldn't you know it. Boy, that one's going to be a pain to dig out. But we got some oxen on order from Anadwaith to drag it. Should be here any day now. Aside from that, we've been like busy bees. Got a few sawhorses up, pile of lumber over yonder, and a guy holding a slow caution sign out on the road to the Morgul Vale. Safety first, that's our motto. Of course, we can't get much done anyway before the permit order is signed. I'm pretty sure it's on the steward's desk as we speak getting the attention it deserves. Could, should, should come through any time now. That Denethor guy's generally pretty good about this stuff when he's not preoccupied with other stuff. Oh, and uh, we got lunch ordered from Phil Gashins, too. So it's been a solid month of progress out here east of the Pelennor Fields. Uh, don't worry. We got this thing covered. Thornley's construction site proudly serving the northern Bree Fields and now eastern Rovanion endlessly for almost eight years. Well, that explains a lot. And we're on to our next beacon. Callanhad is aflame. Okay, just a brief segment of Callanhad this week. I want to talk a little bit about Lotro plugins. I've mentioned some of them before. I'm sure you guys uh, have heard some podcasts on on uh, on plugins, um, not you know, not everyone has interest in them, and there's a reason why. But I wanted to go over some of the basics for some of those that uh, had maybe hadn't looked at them quite some time. Uh, since I was reinstalling them myself, it was easy to refamiliarize myself with uh, what was involved. So first of all, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, and uh, as I just want to wrote in about. Um, most important thing is to go out to the Lotro Interfaces website where they really have uh, pretty much all the information you need to get things rolling. Um, you can download individual Lotro Interfaces there that use the Lua plugins published by Turbine. Um, and uh, what I'd recommend and, and what just about everyone I know does is to start off the bat with the Lotro Compendium. And the Lotro Compendium is a zip file that you download into your Lord of the Rings online directory. So it's off of your your user directory and then your documents directory. And you should have Lord of the Rings online. And uh, you have to create a subfolder called plugins, uh, as the directions on the Lotro Interfaces site will tell you. Uh, download the zip file for the Lotro Compendium into there and open that up. And then there's a little executable in there that you run outside of game. Uh, which brings up a little interface where you can select any of the interfaces in the Lotro Compendium for installation that you're interested in. And it's as simple as uh, kind of paging down through the options and checking off the ones that you want. Um, usually they have a short description at least to discuss what they might need. Um, and as you check them off, uh, Lotro Compendium will do the rest by downloading the files from the Lotro interface site uh, to down into your plugins directory. And then as you log into the game, uh, you're able to manage the plugins using the, um, the options panel. You're able to indicate which of the plugins you want loaded for each character. And the reason they do that is because, obviously, some plugins are viable for some characters and some aren't really necessary for some characters. So um, it had been a while since I looked at the ones in the Lotro Compendium, and I downloaded a whole bunch. Uh, and when I logged into my character, my user interface was a mess. <laughs> so be prepared for that. You're going to have little little icons and windows and extra stuff all over the place. Um, don't forget you can adjust those using control uh, backward slash uh, to modify your user interface to move stuff around. And most of the windows can be collapsed down so that you just have a little icon on the screen that you can pull up when you're interested in accessing some of the things. So um, here are some of the things that I downloaded um, that I was interested in taking a look at. So uh, they have interfaces for uh, maps in the game. Um, you know, the larger topography map that's available out, uh, out on Bullroar, not the map that's in-game, but the one that actually shows the detail of some of the things uh, that are not stylized in art. Um, there's one that I've been interested in, in the past called Personal Strat. It's not fully built out, but it has uh, 
It has instructions, at least basic instructions, for a lot of the strats for fights for raids in the game, if you're interested in that. Um, some of them are, are very good and at least give you some hints if you haven't been in there before. And so it's handy to be able to pull that up in-game rather than flipping over to Windows and looking up strategies out on the forums. Uh, I did load again the pet carousel for my lore master to see if I still would need that. Uh, I kind of found the need for this one going away when um, Turbine came out with the enhancement to be able to rotate through uh, multiple skill bar options. Uh, but uh, but I might load this one again and see if it ha offers any other advantages. Um, I did load up a uh, plug-in to be able to... Uh, probably the biggest one I was interested in, be able to look at uh, all my alts inventory across characters. And the one thing, just a reminder to those who noticed, I pulled it up and I started looking at it, and it only had the inventory of my main character that I was on. And uh, what I realized was is that as you log into each character, basically their inventory is copied down to an external database. Um, so they're not available until you log into them and get that data populated. So uh, I'm sure it, it's basically anytime you do an inventory transaction, it syncs that external repository up so that uh, when you log into other characters, you can see where your inventory was left off with your with your other alts. Um, so now that I understand how that works, basically I'll, I'll have to log into each character, and as I do, uh, their inventory snapshots will be available in the external DB for access as well as well as your vault space. Um, the two areas that still don't have Lua plugins for you to cover are your housing storage and your wardrobe storage. So it would be nice to see if those come out eventually. Um, I found an interesting one in the Lotro Compendium called Epic Battle Helper, uh, which I hadn't seen before. And I actually kind of like this one. It's fairly innocuous. You can, it doesn't take up a lot of space. You can put it at the top of your screen. And what it does is, as you're running an epic battle, it uh, has a little timer on that'll show you the the waves um, and the timing of the waves, so you know exactly how long, generally speaking, it is until the next wave of orcs starts. And the reason that's helpful is because it'll tell you what side quests are coming up um, and how long you have before they start. Uh, and in a lot of cases, going to some of the areas where the side quests will spawn and getting set up in terms of setting barricades and traps and making sure everyone's aligned there is the difference between getting a platinum medal and something lesser. So I did find that one pretty handy, actually. Uh, I'm going to mess around with it a little more, but on the 12-man uh, that I ran on my character on for, for Helm's Dyke, it was, uh, was pretty cool, actually. So I recommend that one. I did load up uh, a couple that I haven't experimented with yet for my cook uh, that just do recipes and stuff as well as uh, keeping kind of recipe recipe and cook inventories so I don't know exactly what those do but they look like they could be handy and that's one again that you might only want to activate on your on your cook character um, I did upload a warden gambit helper for uh, for my warden that I'll take a look at the next time I have an urge to play him uh, I think it uh, basically has a, a, a inventory of all the different gambits that you can pull up to refresh your memory, uh, So, which I've, I've heard is helpful. I uploaded a task helper, which is supposed to automatically tell you when you have stuff in your bags that can be handed in for tasks based on the region you're in. Um, so I don't know how useful that'll be, but I'll, I'll experiment with it and let you know. Uh, there were a couple PvP-type um, analysis, I think, or you know, things that'll tell you what you have to collect to complete daily tasks on your creeps, as well as what kind of damages they do. So I don't creep a lot, but when I do, I'll take a look at those and let you know what I thought. There is a roving threat map that's available now, so that's got to be one of the newer ones that are available that are out there. That'll bring up all the different regions um, where the roving threats are. And has little markings where they're typically seen. So if they have like two or three areas where it might spawn, they're all marked on the map. And I do think that one could be handy. I think it allows you to pinpoint if you find one, you can click on it on the map and automatically tweet out to your group that coordinates so the coordinates so you can zone in on it. Uh, there's a couple instance raid tracker ones which just look like kind of checkbooks where you can say been there, done that. I don't think I'm... I find those very useful, so I'll probably de-equip those or unequip those, as the case may be. And lastly, and most importantly, of course, I reloaded the songbook, uh, which is the most useful plugin that's ever been created. Um, 
So even after I reinstalled the songbook, I noticed that all my songs were gone. I don't know what happened. Blah. It was a pain. So um, I quickly went out to the old site that I used to access when I was downloading songs originally, which was the Fat Loot. And unfortunately, I don't know how long it's been in the state, but the Fat Loot looks like it's being redone. Um, so they still have inventories of all a number of artists and probably the largest selection of ABC songs out there available. Uh, but they were all kind of in kind of, uh, you know, just kind of a holding pen right now, not easily downloadable. Um, I did go ahead and download a bunch of the songs, but I noticed they weren't in a format that could readily be played, and I had to do some manually editing in Notepad to get them down to uh, the point where they could be played, basically by stripping out uh, some HTML uh, headers and footers uh, to get down to the strict ABC. So I have been doing that, at least on a subset of songs, so I could have some things that I could play, and I'm slowly making my way through all the songs I downloaded and kind of revising them. Uh, that was kind of a pain. I did find one or two other song catalogs that were out there that I could access um, that didn't have that problem, but um, had a lot less uh, selection available in their catalog. The fat loot was always the best. So I hope that's still being maintained and someone will f go out there and fix that up to make that a little more easy again. Uh, not everyone has the technical background to, uh, to edit uh, ABC files in Notepad. It's not that complicated, but, um, you know, uh, there, there are lots of different skill sets that play this game, and that may be a step further than a lot of folks are willing to go. So anyway, I actually used a barding game this week. I was very excited because, wonder of wonders, I didn't even have a loot on my character anymore. It had been so long since I'd played music. So I went to a bard and bought a loot, <laughs> said hello to the guy who's looking lonely, but he was glad to do some business. And uh, I went out to the Bree stage and I played some tunes. It was fun to play some music uh, since it had been so long. I'm not really sure when all my plugins got wiped. Um, may date back to a PC rebuild that I had to do. Uh, maybe I reinstalled the game. Uh, that was a while back, but maybe that's when I lost all that stuff. So it's fun to have it up again, and I'll be playing with some of the plugins and determining what I will or will not use going forward. And if I find something new that I think is helpful, I will clue you in and let you know about it. I'm not usually a guy that plays with a lot of skins. And, uh, you know, the pain in the plugins is when they go away, if you're relying on them, like something like buff bars or tonic bars to make you effective in game, uh, then you're not going to be effective without it if it's not available or if it's broken. So I try not to rely on stuff like that. Uh, I did put tonic bars on my lore master just to experiment with it. And the cool thing about it is there's buffs and stuff that you have going on from your class traits, um, trees, that you might not even realize are active uh, because, uh, you know, Loremaster starts throwing skills and uh, there's a pile of stuff that, that, that it's, a, it's definitely a kind of a class trait, debuff, buff, heavy class. So the one thing I did find helpful was um, on Tonic Bars is made it easy to kind of see as I was playing with skills what was being activated and what was, uh, what was live. And I think it's a good way, as you move over to the new class trait trees, to learn about what your class is doing behind the scenes. Um, you, know, you could do it by looking at the smaller icons up you know, on the side of the screen, but this makes it very evident which ones are active, how long they're active for, and how they're interacting with each other. So even though I don't like buff bars or tonic bars typically longer term, I think I might turn them on selectively for characters. And uh, it's a good kind of tutorial for how your build is working. Um, so, nice option to have occasionally. That's all I got to say about plugins. And uh, if you don't ha have them and don't want to use them, you're fine. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't need them to master the game. I've been playing out without them for a long time. But uh, they can be helpful and they can enhance your enjoyment of the game. And it's uh, fun to see Turbine support them and for the community to come out with, uh, with some neat stuff occasionally. And with that, I have made it to the final beacon of Halitherian. The troops from Edoras should be mustering any time now. It's time for blessed relief. That brings us to the end of the 29th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love, as always, to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at braggsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for self-aggrandizement. 
Facebook or Twitter at Bragg Son of Balan, or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I was out on iTunes last week and I noticed it's only carrying my last 10 episodes. So if you found Light the Beacons late uh, and you're interested in going back and, God forbid, viewing some of the uh, oldest episodes, um, those are still available out on my website. I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review. If perchance you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven apathy, I will try to include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before, or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. Most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle Earth. It is a pleasant place to be. This is Bragg, son of Balance, signing off. Baruch Kazad, my friends, and remember, the next time you spend four hours fishing for sturgeon and peller gear without a bite, don't despair. Light the beacons. All right, Grima, got those cave claw heads loaded up? Crank it. Crank it. Now, release the prisoners. Ha, <laughs> ha.